coming soon to a theater near you. The scariest film for any horror fan for all time. She's back, and this time she's not taking any prisoners. I'm back and just in time. Movies are even more morally corrupt than ever. That's right, Mary Whitehouse is back. Back from the dead in <laughs> National Viewers and Listeners Association Massacre. Also known as Censorship. Rated R. <laughs> no one under any age will be permitted to see this movie because Mary already banned it. Fuck you, yeah, Fuck right I did. That's right. Video nasties on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Oh, Mary. <laughs> Mary, Mary, why you bugging? Welcome to another episode of Attack of Killer Podcast. This is a very special episode. This episode, we, we shall be talking about a very serious topic. Oh, so serious. One of the darkest times in the history of mankind. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a time when people were forced into... Illegal practices of bootlegging. A time when honest businessmen and women were thrown in jail or put out of business. I'm not talking about prohibition. I'm talking about the Video Recording Act of 1984. We will be talking about Video Nasties. 72 films that were criticized in the United Kingdom for their violent content. And a moral campaign led by Mary Whitehouse and the NVALA led to the prosecution of certain video releases for obscenity. These 72 titles, these 72 films, were so bad that they were eventually banned in the UK. These are the films we will be talking about tonight. Probably not all 72, but no. uh, we'll be talking about a good chunk of them. We will be discussing these films at length. Maybe even get into some spoiler territory. So be warned. Attack of the Killer Podcast is a proud member of the Phantom Podcast Network, an awesome horror-related site featuring various horror podcasts. Tell you what, this site is awesome, and if you don't believe me, check it out for yourselves, non-believers. You can do that at downrightcreepy.com backslash phantom. And you can also subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Now, this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast is brought to you by the all-new O-Face Clitoris GPS for Men. Never again will you get lost. Never again will you guys get lost on your travels ever again. This new GPS technology can even take you to the brown town. Now, I, I apologize on behalf of Attack of the Killer Podcast... That this sponsor is in very poor taste, but we wouldn't need to rely on these type of sponsors if you would just donate to our Patreon. That's right. <laughs> just go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP. There are various perks for donating, including bonus episodes recorded just for you. So what are you waiting for? 
Okay, we got all that nonsense out of the way. It's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. Convinced Mary Whitehouse just needs, and I quote, a good deep dicking, and he's just the man to give it to her. John Stalter, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, everybody. Obscene, disturbing, disgusting, and morally corrupt. And those are his good qualities. Brian Clark. <laughs> ah, greetings, humans. <clears throat> she was arrested back in the 80s for owning a copy of Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Not for owning obscene material, but for having bad taste in movies. Terry Turford. <laughs> I like that movie. Yeah, all right. <coughs> hey, everybody. And lastly, he was eventually released in the UK after three inches had been cut. I mean, three minutes. Jason Bollinger. Hi. <laughs> What's up, party people? How's everybody doing? Good. Is everybody just enraged as I am oh, about fuckers. this video nasty shit? Every time. Never for any time I think of it. It's just, ah, fuck these people. That's right. And I think, uh, I think this episode will solve the United Kingdom's problems. You're, we're going to put them back in the European Union? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're fucked. <laughs> So before we do that, um, do we? Uh, okay, yeah. So before we do that, before we get to the topic, let's talk some killer news. Now it's time for killer news. Ripped straight from the headlines on attack on the killer podcast. First off, the official synopsis for Rampage the Movie has been leaked <laughs> online and confirmed by The Rock. Uh, he, The Rock is playing a character named Davis Okoye. I assume he's of Samoan or Hawaiian descent or something, much like The Rock. Uh, he is a primatologist, and he is friends with George, an intelligent silverback gorilla. But a rogue genetic experiment gone awry transforms the ape into a raging monster, and it's soon discovered there are other similarly altered genetic mutations rampaging across North America. And now Okoye has to team up with a discredited genetic engineer to find an antidote. So I'm looking forward to that one. That's really happening, huh? Yep, that's really happening. I suppose the success of the 2014 Godzilla and Kong Skull Island and uh, the green lighting of a Pacific Rim sequel has, uh, has you know, begun a, a kaiju resurgence, if you will. And yeah. so, uh, so we're going to be getting some more giant monster goodness on the way. It's very cool that we live in a day and age where there's just like one giant monster movie, one right after another. That's awesome. It makes me very happy. Uh, next up, the, a director has been attached to an adaptation of the novel Kraken by China Miaville. Now, the director is not somebody I'm familiar with. Uh, he's a video game art director named Victor Antonov. I don't know if you, you gamers in the, uh, on the cast here are familiar with that guy. Nope. Nope. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm just excited because I didn't know they were making a movie of this novel. Now, it's one of Miaville's books that I have not read, but I have read several of his other novels, and he is a phenomenal writer. He is... It must be exhausting to be him, because 
on every page of one of his books is an idea that could be its own book. And it's just this shotgun blast of all these brilliant ideas kind of wrapped together in these crazy worlds he dreams up. So this one involves a uh, squid-worshipping cult and the end of the world. And uh, it is high on my list of things I need to read because, like I said, the other stuff I've read by Miaville is... uh, is fantastic. So now there's a director attached to the movie. Uh, I don't think there's a date yet set for when it's going to go into production or or a release date, but that'll be something to uh, keep an eye on. A smaller item here, but there is a uh, free online TV channel similar to Crackle or one of those called Tubi TV. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. Mm-hmm. Can, can be had on Roku and other such platforms and uh just this month they have added a bunch of horror movies to their channel now uh, most of them are things that you can get elsewhere like uh frogs and empire of the ants and hostel but there's one in particular that i'm kind of excited for because to my knowledge it's not available on home video and i only ever saw it once back in the day on joe bob briggs monster vision it's a 1972 movie called super beast and the plot is sort of a melding of the most dangerous game in the island of dr moreau where a crazy doctor takes convicts to his island and does genetic experiments on them that drive them mad and then sets them loose into the forest to hunt them Uh, and I, i remember it being cool when i saw it 20 years ago, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to digging into it again. So, cool. those of you with Roku's and Amazon Fire Sticks, check out Tubi TV, T U B I TV, and uh, check out some horror movies this month. And finally, there is a comic book publisher. Oh, thank you, John. John says it's on DVD, so apparently Super Beast is not that hard to get a hold of, but you can watch it for free on this channel, so never mind. All right, so last up there is a space goat or a, excuse me a comic book publisher called space goat publishing and they are doing a four issue mini series of uh of the howling a, a sequel directly following the first movie called revenge of the werewolf queen oh, cool and uh, it picks up three weeks after the events of the original movie and uh, marcia quist the the uh, crazy kind of feral spooky witch chick from the movie is uh, seeking revenge for uh, Chris Halloran revealing on national TV that werewolves are a thing and they just uh, posted online the cover art for the four issues I don't know if we can throw those up in the show notes or something when it goes up on the website but they look pretty goddamn cool so I will be going to my local comic book shop and putting these on my order list alright cool so let's get into the topic at hand Video nasties. Where should we start? Should we go straight? What's a video nasty? I thought I already I know. <laughs> uh, video nasty are like movies in the UK that were banned for their obscene content, violent, violent content. Um, and there's like 72 notorious movies that were banned in the UK and we're going to talk about a good chunk of them now it's interesting that a lot of them uh, are Italian films um, that's because figure. they made the best movies yeah. in the 70s so. <laughs> that's right that's right should we just go straight in start off with the uh, 
the documentaries? Did everybody get a chance to watch those video nasty documentaries? Yeah. Okay. So good. You didn't. You didn't get a chance to watch them, John? No, I never got around. Oh, they would just piss you off anyway. Yeah, it uh, it angries up the blood. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one was Video Nasty's Moral Panic Censorship and Videotape, uh, released in 2010, and it's a lot of talking heads in this documentary. Um, and and uh, looking I looking on IMDb here, there's even more of these documentaries directed by this Jake West guy that are part of this series. I guess um, there's like I guess four in in all, but I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, because there's two of them. Because so the first one is this one, the uh, Moral Panic Censorship and Videotape, which is the one that was on Shutter that we watched. And then followed up by Video Nasties The Definitive Guide and then Video Nasties The Definitive Guide Part Two. And then the um the other one that we watched, which was called Video Nasties I just lost the Draconian my Days. Yeah. And that wasn't released until twenty fourteen. So these other two documentaries are in between it. But then so but when you watch when you watch the two that we watched, they feel like one follows right after the other, so I don't know what these other two documentaries are about. Well, when you say the definitive guide, I would assume they are going through discussing them film by film. Oh yeah, maybe. It's almost more of a uh, like a review and clip reel kind of thing. I don't know. I'm just guessing, but that's what the title suggests to me, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very good guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the first one talks about like the whole. Uprising. It focuses a lot on on Mary Whitehouse and her campaign to to ban to ban these movies and uh, get them out of video stores and and the starting up of the whole rating system over there and whatnot. Um, uh, what do we think of? I I love these documentaries, although they do anger me. But I think they're they're really well done and it's very edu- very eye opening and educational, um, especially as a horror fan. Especially, especially as a person as myself, that is very big. That's like my one of my few soapboxes in the in this world is to, is censorship. I will always fight against censorship, and the stuff that was going on at this time in the UK is is unbelievable. You know, just cannot fathom that this kind of stuff went on went on over there in the eighties. So. So, uh, Jason, what did you think of these documentaries? I, like you said, I, I, the thing that, yeah, besides them being incredibly educational and entertaining and and <clears throat> like a good documentary should be, but like it, I just felt like it was a half an hour long. I'm like, it's done already? This is, I was just <laughs> so into it, you know, yeah. learning and it just flew right by and I thought that was really cool <laughs> both of them um, cool yeah alright what, Terry what'd you think of them she stepped away what or I meant Brian <laughs> uh, I I loved all the interviews with all the people involved it was uh, 
I mean, I I knew about the whole video nasties thing before, but to see you know people on on both sides both of it, sides. mostly on on our side of it, obviously, especially that one journalist who oh, yeah. was kind of the the lone voice of dissent in the wilderness during that time, and all the threats and the the phone calls that he got to the point where he had to unplug his office phone, yep. and then they started calling him at home and shit. Like, oh, that was crazy. Yeah. But that that. Graham Bright, the conservative MP that um, was kind of at the forefront of the whole thing on the government side, just what a fucking smug piece of shit that guy is. <laughs> to, to still, you know, talking about, I think we did a very good job, and we, you know, just, like, he, all this time later, is still convinced that they were, you know, doing God's work, essentially. Just, God, I wanted to reach through the TV and punch him in his stupid pudding-eating face. <laughs> Praise Jeebus. Uh-huh. And I could listen to that journalist guy talk all day. He was great. Everything he had to say. Yeah. And then all the interviews with the filmmakers who were kids during that time talking about, yeah, us and our friends went to the video store and rented <laughs> all these things and we'd watch them over and over and over again and, you know, the worst thing it did to them was turn them into artists. So yeah, fuck censorship. <laughs> exactly. Well, <clears throat> the thing that disgusted me the most about about what went on, they talked about it in the uh, in the first documentary about how <clears throat> they were doing they were doing all this research to find out the cause and effect of these movies, and how they would alter the results of the of the research to for their benefit. Like the you know, the one where they would t- they would take the list of the movies to the schools and ask the kids if they'd seen them, but half of the movies on the list were made up movies just to see if the kids, yeah. and the kids said that they saw it and you know and because kids want to seem cool and exactly. I guarantee you the people doing those quote unquote studies knew that that's what I was gonna say by altering the results of the test you mean completely fabricated them yeah exactly. You know, so then that's the shit that didn't show up in the reports from that. Now all of a sudden it's like, these kids are seeing these movies and and we got to stop it. So, Terry, what would you think of the uh, of these documentaries? Really interesting. I didn't really know much about any of this um, until I watched them. And, yeah, censorship is dumb <laughs> in general. But, like... <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, you know, they think that they're they're doing a good job of preventing kids from seeing these, but what they're doing is drawing more attention to them and having people seek them out. Exactly. You know, they even talk about it, especially, I think, in the second in the one. the second one, yeah. About how, you know, people had lists, like, they were putting out lists of them, or they were trying to prevent lists of these things from going public, because those were the lists of 2C films for a lot of younger kids you know like oh well if they're getting banned that means i have to watch them now like they wouldn't have even given a shit before exactly it's just it's counterintuitive it just doesn't make sense like a whole subculture grew out of this of of people bootlegging um copies of these uncensored copies of these movies and sharing them with each other doing tape trading and the fanzines and all that and stuff and it's like mm-hmm. 
none of that would happen. You would still have, like, your hardcore horror fans for sure, but, like, things wouldn't happen to that extreme if, if the censorship didn't happen in the first place. You know, censorship does nothing, does does nothing to prevent people from seeing this stuff. You know, it's gonna exactly. people are gonna people are gonna who want it bad enough are gonna see it. It's like, um, for example, at the library, you know, censorship is a bad thing with books. Even still today, um, I mean, our library is adamantly against any sort of censorship. But you know, there are other libraries out there that they have so-called challenged books. And there's a week dedicated to it every year called Banned Books Week, where we have lists of these books out saying, oh, these are the books that are banned most frequently. You should read them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, it's the same sort of thing. It's just silly. Well, it seems like, you know, at least once a year, there's a mother somewhere saying, I don't want my kid reading this book. It's got homosexuals in it and then there's a big hubbub about it and the school like votes yeah. on banning it and shit like that well tidbit of information all so, of the religious texts are banned in some way shape or form they're some of the most banned books in the world hmm good anyway that's <laughs> did I say that out loud <laughs> my, my thing though was that the only thing that comes out of like things like this and censorship is that good people end up getting getting hurt yeah. for for no reason. So like when this bootlegging stuff was happening and all this tape trading and stuff, people's houses were getting raided, having their basically their personal property stolen from them by the government. And uh, and and several of them like arrested and prosecuted over fucking movies, mm-hmm. over make believe. But it's got blood in it, and that might scar children. Oh, so ridiculous to think that. I mean, there, those laws are like their censorship laws are not as bad as they used to be nowadays, right? Surely not. This shit still doesn't go on, is my understanding. Well, you you guys have heard about the whole thing with uh, Amazon, right? Uh-uh. No. Um, well, a while back, some some films that were put on Amazon Prime, where you could, you know, if you had Amazon Prime, you could watch them for free, were removed due to sexual content or violent content, like... The uh, th- I believe Plank Face and, and uh, Harvest Lake what? were removed. You can still pay, like you can still rent them for like five dollars oh. on Amazon, but you couldn't actually you you couldn't use it or watch them on like their Netflix service because kids could just yeah get into it. And even recently, oh. um, Cannibal Ferox was <laughs> completely removed. From Amazon website. You cannot order that movie on Amazon.com at all. Seriously? Yes. Can you still get Cannibal Holocaust? Yeah. How the fuck does that make any sense? But I I believe that... um, I'd have to Google it and whatnot, but I mean, I saw things about it through through the film company that put out Cannibal Ferrex. Why am I blank? Grindhouse. Um, But yeah, it was removed for purchase. Like you, okay. I don't even, I don't even know if you can look it up now and find it through third-party sellers. 
At least at like when they first removed it, you couldn't. But I haven't I haven't checked again. But it, they, they did that with Serbian film too, didn't they? Like Amazon refused to I, carry it when it came out. <coughs> might be right. But the whole thing with removing uh, Harvest Lake and shit like that. I, there were some other movies that I was familiar with, and now I'm trying to trying to remember what they were. But removing those from their their you know paid service, you know, it's just fucking ridiculous. It's like yeah, you can still rent the movie, but. You're like, well, it's got sexual content. Well, there's a lot of shit out there that's way worse than Harvest Lake that still got, you know, is still on there. So I don't okay. see what the big fucking deal is. You know what? I hate censorship. I mean, just you know, I you know the whole freedom of the press and speech and blah blah blah. But what I really hate about it is that most of the time it seems that all of the the bans and restrictions are all um, they all happen due to bad parenting. Exactly. Yeah. If these parents would just fucking do their jobs and (laughs) try to not blame someone else. But I don't want to have to monitor what Tim If these if these parents would just do their fucking jobs and show their kids the horror movies themselves, like a decent <laughs> fucking human being. Yeah, shit, right? So they wouldn't have to go and sneak around. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's really where all of this comes from. It's just parents' insecurities. It boils it's down to awful. the biggest problem I feel like with the human race in general. Now I'm really oh, going boy. off in a oh, tangent boy. here. Is that there is no personal accountability for anything anymore and i feel like yeah, a lot this of that was back in the 80s that's what i'm gonna say i think a lot of that stems from this because uh, a lot of people put way too much faith in a group of people who thought they were better than everyone else to be able to dictate what grown adults can or cannot listen to or watch yeah tipper gore and i love that <laughs> moment in the second documentary of these video nasty movies and that second one where it was a guy, I can't remember who said it, was talking about how, like, they these censors has to sit around and watch these movies and decide what needs to be cut out and, and such to protect the general public. Why are these people so much better that they can watch these movies and not be affected when they think it's going to affect everyone yeah. else? Because they're conservatives. Yeah, there was that segment <clears throat> in there that they were talking about how, you know, that the upper they, class thinks that they're better than the middle class. Yeah, they they couldn't be affected. Only the lower class people could be affected. And that is offensive on every level. Uh-huh. They, they had a cardinal from the Church of England in the background shaking a, a censor and saying, the power of Thatcher compels you the whole time. So they were protected <laughs> by that magic spell. And and I also, I also call shenanigans of like, you know, you, if you guys are saying that watching this movie, watching this particular scene, that that because uh, because sometimes it got even more into not so much the content but what they think the content meant, which which is where censorship goes off the fucking rails because you start you start censoring interpretation of things. You know that that's just the whole deconstruction of art in general as a whole, but. How messed up are you? Are you are you in your own head to think that this has to be censored because of what you th- you know you already have you have those ideas in your head, man, and you want to censor it 
So you're no better than the people that are that you're trying to protect. Yep. Ah, I'm just gonna, I'm, st- I'm getting heated. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's fucking frustrating. It Time is to move because I talk about how okay. Well, it's just I made I, in my in my opening to the show. Uh, you know, is you know there's a lot of jokes in there, but. I really felt watching these documentaries. I'm like, you know, another thing that I hate about the human race is why? Why in the fuck do we teach history in school? Because I, my underst- every time I was ever told, and when I was in school, it's like, why do we have to learn this? What was the answer? So we don't repeat our, you know, so you know, and history yet, doesn't repeat itself. Are. And yet, exactly, here we are. Because what happened back then with the video nasties is just like prohibition back in, you know, back in America, back in the uh, the turn of the century. You know, alcohol was illegal, so like all these bootleggers are springing up everywhere, and crime was rampant. You know, and now and it's thank same- God we got rid of that. <laughs> It's it's just, it's the same. It was the same thing, you know. Now you got kids bootlegging movies and getting arrested for it. And at bottom line, why they just want to watch these movies, man? Yeah, and if it, like you were talking about the lazy parenting thing, if you don't want your kid to see something, pay attention to what they're fucking watching, or God forbid, have a conversation with them like a real human no. being and explain it to them instead of just this thing displeases me take it away so that I don't have to put any thought or effort into raising my family just ugh. you know and and I'm glad to say you know I am a parent and so that it 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 really frustrates me to the fact that like you can't parent your own kids to the point where I have to be restricted on what I get to do as an adult because of it. At least, at least they had to fucking watch these movies. That's like the best. <laughs> right. Like, at least those assholes were forced to watch these. What was that one guy? It was in the second one. It was that bald-headed guy that was talking about like they would make they would make the uh, this group of people watch a montage of all these scenes. Uh-huh. Yes, completely out of context. Completely not out in con. Not that in context made many of them better, but when well, I I like how in that documentary they gave us kind of a snippet of montages of stuff like that, all from movies I've seen before. But even I watching so, watching that little montage, it's like yeah, this oh. is fucked up. <laughs> So, yeah, so, like, everybody's like, yeah, damn right these movies should be banned. Well, again, not that a lot of those scenes are really any better, but it's taken out of context and forced upon you, Clockwork Orange style. Of course you're going to, you're going to, you know, take offense to it. Oh, I, I just looked up the who that guy was. It's uh, Lord Commander Reginald Von Buttmunch. <laughs> that seems legit. That's that's a totally legit name. <laughs> well, I I feel like this is turning in at least for me anyway. It's turning into <laughs> way more of a uh, you know infuriated rant. <laughs> infuriated rant. Absolutely. But there's nothing. I mean, you know, the, it it needs to be discussed because it it clearly seems to be happening again in in small forms here and there. I mean, whether it's Amazon or. You know, Trump trying to uh, 
withstand the press. There's always someone there trying to do something. We just have to make our voices louder than them. It's going to be really hard to make our voices louder than Trump, because that guy... Also, at the end of the day... Sorry, Republican followers. The amount of time and energy and resources wasted on censorship when, like... Could have fed every homeless person in that country for a fucking decade, probably. Could have, yeah, could have been attacking the real fucking problems. Or like, well, the the Tipper Gore, you know, stuff in the uh, '80s, you know, going after music and and wanting to censor music and all that shit. It's just like the shit that they were complaining about back in the '80s is nothing compared to what I listen to now. That's right. and exactly my point. All that time wasted back then. Doesn't freaking matter because it, 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 you know, the content is worse now. And then you had John Denver, you know, going say, like, "Hey, oh, censorship yeah, sucks." How cool John, John Denver is! One of my freaking heroes in life. I'm not even kidding you. Just for that whole that whole well, thing with the PRC. Yeah. But uh, and and here's the thing. Here's how deep my hatred of censorship goes. My one big political regret in life was uh, vo- was the first time I voted for for Bush. Um, only because I didn't want Al Gore in the office, and I only didn't want him in the office because he was married to Tipa Gore. <laughs> wow. I know that's that's silly, that's right? Because okay. we ended up getting voted. what's that? I was gonna say I know people that voted for Bush because his last name was Bush. Oh Jesus! <laughs> well, no, hey, yeah. if nothing else, America, we got the world's greatest sitcom out of his presidency, so that's okay. <laughs> that's true. And right now, I you know. I kind of miss that guy compared to uh, our current right. situation. It's yeah, amazing yeah. that he has recently become a voice of reason. But you guys have seen That's My Bush, right? Oh, that oh was, yeah. Only ran one season, but God, it was brilliant. Is there a thing with pine cones in, her, in uh, Laura Bush's vagina? Or am I thinking <laughs> something else? I think that was that. It's, it's been a while. I'd... It sounds like it's plausible. <clears throat> okay, so should we talk about some movies? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was. I cleared up the podcast. I thought that was it. <laughs> Enough talking about your bushes. Come on. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then, where should we start? What movie should we uh, start with, Brian? Um, the Terry Wrong. <laughs> you said Terry Wrong. <laughs> well. How about the, towards the top of the alphabet? Did anyone watch Absurd? I freaking love this movie, man. Yeah, me too. It's a lot of fun. Now, a few about a year or so ago, I caught the last half of it for the first time, not even knowing what it was on some like live streaming Roku channel. I think it might have been Bizarre TV, maybe. I don't remember which one. And I was just like, I mean, anytime you turn on an, account, an Italian movie, you know, I, I'm going to be captivated. But I, I also have a hard time, I don't stick with, if I'm flipping through channels and I c- catch the middle of something and I don't know what it is, I have a hard time committing to it. I, I'm not one of those guys. I have to be able to watch it from the beginning and know what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that whole third act is what I saw for the first time of Absurd. Um and I was just freaking glued. Like the scene in the, the shoving the woman's head in the stove was just like awesome. So I could not wait to get to watch this from the beginning. And I freaking love it even more uh, watching it all the way through. Yeah, it's it's a pretty enjoyable flick. The it's 
it's a pseudo sequel to a better movie, but uh, we can talk about them both, I guess. Anthropophagus, the Beast, yeah, aka the, the Grim, Grim Reaper. Reaper. You guys watch those? <coughs> well, I've seen it a dozen times, but <laughs> right, yeah, I figured. John, you've seen it, yeah. Is he gone? Uh oh. Uh, yeah, I think he... Te- technical problems. All right, well, yeah, anyway. Uh, anthropophagus, I guess we can start at the top with that and just kind of bounce back and forth between the two of them. <clears throat> Takes place on a, a Greek island, and a group of tourists are, are out there, and they it's they happen upon this, uh, this abandoned castle kind of acreage homestead and get stalked and picked off by this deformed giant... Uh, I don't know. He's not really. I don't know how to describe him. I guess he's George Eastman in, in wrinkly face makeup. <laughs> but uh, like a human being pushed to the point of becoming a I, monster. Yeah. Well, I think because his, his background story is he was uh, trapped on a boat out at sea and wound up having to eat the other people in the boat with him to uh, to was, survive. To wasn't back. it his mm-hmm. wife and son or something? Yes, it was. Okay. And uh, I would assume then the wrinkly face makeup is meant to be uh, horrific sunburn scars, since he was stuck on this boat out in the ocean. Well, yeah, and they started a little bit of that in the flashback, too. You could just see, you know, some peeled-off liquid latex on, on people's faces. So. Yeah. But uh, there, he rips a fetus out of a woman and eats it and uh, winds up being disemboweled and eating his own entrails at the end of the movie. But Which is, like, one his, of the greatest yeah. death scenes of all time. But as gross as that sounds, the movie overall is actually a fairly decent atmospheric little stock and slash kind of thing. Like, I remember renting this under the title The Grim Reaper mm-hmm. and expecting it to be just, you know, dumb and risable and we'd make fun of it. And then we all just kind of wound up sitting there actually watching it because it was really good. It almost has a vibe of some of Lovecraft's. Not the cosmic horror stuff, but the more, you know, the other theme that Lovecraft really worked with was, uh, I guess, what you'd call hillbilly horror, where it dealt with a lot of inbreeding and backwoods kind of stuff. And even though he wasn't an inbred monster, it kind of had the same vibe of of some of Lovecraft's stories that went in that direction. So, absurd, it's kind of almost sequel in that George Eastman is back playing the killer. And he's a Greek guy, and I guess that's about where the uh, <laughs> where the <laughs> ties end. Yeah, has is a man who has been experimented on uh, by a church-sanctioned scientific genetic experiment. Which go figure how that works. But they uh, they somehow essentially give him Wolverine's healing factor. Yeah, except it also drives him nuts. And considering <laughs> he's like a seven foot tall dude who's built like a brick shit house and he can't be killed that's a problem <laughs> yeah so the movie follows him to i'm not sure where like he gets off it's it doesn't take place in greece so i don't know if it's supposed to take place in italy or germany or where but uh <clears throat> he is chased all the way there by the priest who helped create him essentially who worked as a because he's a, he's a priest and he's a biogeneticist and those that i don't know if they were trying to recreate God, or I don't know. It's It doesn't make a lot of sense because it's an Italian movie. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he, he winds up um, getting run over by uh, like a somebody in a car. It's a hit-and-run drive-off. And 
they take him to the hospital, or he no, he tries to climb. He makes it to their house, climbs over their fence, and guts yeah. himself on the spikes on their fence, and collapses at their doorstep. So they take him to the hospital. He heals up in the hospital, kills the nurse, and walks out and heads back for their house to kind of, I suppose, take his revenge. And uh, there's there's some pretty good gore, and somehow Joe D'Amato, arguably the king of Italian sleaze, yes, cast Annie Bell. Probably the foremost star of European sex exploitation, maybe just one rung below Sylvia Crystal, and she's not naked once in this movie. <laughs> Explain Bullshit. that. To me. <laughs> Bull- oh, well, everybody had already seen her naked by this point, so right. Do you think it was a um, a happy accident, or was on purpose that absurd kind of sort of starts where starts. How um, Anthropagus ends, both with George Him Eastman's guts hanging out. Yeah, I would guess that was to kind of strengthen those ties of, no, really, this is a sequel, we promise. Um, just to remind viewers, hey, didn't you like it the last time this happened? <laughs> Here it is again, yeah. except he's not wrinkly this time. Yeah, they the, the, the Italians have always had very loose concept uh, concept for the term sequel, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And time and logic and <laughs> common sense. <laughs> and plot. Yeah, that's, and... <laughs> that's a, what's a plot? This is an Italian film. We just need boobs and blood. But uh, the score is pretty cool, and it was uh, released last year, a year or two ago, by uh, Death Waltz Records on vinyl. That's kind of a neat package there. It's, oh, uh, nice. it's got, got him with his guts hanging out and his hands on the cover, and it's all embossed. So, nice. like, the cover's raised up so you can... It's like 3D guts. <laughs> Are you talking Anthropagus? Uh, no. Oh, yeah, absurd. absurd. Okay. And uh, there's some pretty good gore in the flick. Mm-hmm. Which, the first time I watched it, I remembered thinking, <coughs> I don't know if I wasn't paying attention or what, but thinking, like, oh, this isn't nearly as gruesome as the first one. And then I watched it again just a few days ago. It's like, wow, that it's gorier than I remember it being. I'll tell you what, you know, beyond the gore... The standout scene for me is that that scene with the woman's head in the oven. That was yes. such a cool scene. So disturbing. I love the final shot of the girl who, who can't stand up because her spine is fucked up, and yet she gets up and kills the, <laughs> kills the monster at the end, standing <laughs> in the doorway of her house with his severed head in her hand after she chops it off with that axe. Spoilers! I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mike already warned of that up front. We're fine. <laughs> that, and by the time I finally get around to watching their owning this movie, I will have forgotten. Good luck finding a decent copy. Or a, uh, it, you can get it on DVD through Maya. Maya. Well, what I was going to... Somebody released a good, like, a Blu-ray version, but I might well, be thinking of... I don't mean good as in quality. I mean good as in, like, a decent retail price, because it's like... Uh-oh. 60, 70 bucks or something like that for a DVD. Oh, that, that, um, is that Maya one out of print now? Because it used mm-hmm. to be pretty reasonable, like under 20. Maybe. Has it got the same cover as like the IMDb page? Yes. It, okay. It's released under the title Horrible. Oh, I'll just... Oh, yeah. Okay. Arrow just put it... Or, no, wait. 88 Films put it out um, recently over in the UK. I'll just order that one. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's what I should do, too. I mean, because I gotta have, probably, I gotta have this movie, and so much so that I've been 
I've been pricing it and can't find anything less than sixty bucks for a copy. Oh, yeah, you can get it through <clears throat> through eighty eight films in the. I mean, I think it was seriously within like the last. Oh, actually, it was just in January that they released it. I think. I mean, I definitely I have a strong love for Anthropogus. I mean, I grew up watching that movie in my early days of exploring Italian cinema. Um, and there's some, definitely some iconic imagery in it, you know, with the <clears throat> eating the baby fetus and, and eating his mm, own guts delicious. at the end. Um, and then I also like the score for Anthropogus better, but I, I don't know. There's something about, um, absurd that I just really, I think I like it better than Anthropogus. I, I also, I'm a sucker for movies that have like minimal minimal plot and minimal locations and minimal cast and a good and the majority of this movie takes place in that house or in and around that house all well, same with the with anthropophagus yeah. it uh it takes place in and around that little villa or whatever yeah, yeah. oh that's true i do like anthropophagus better but absurd is a very close second. And I remember hearing some kind of negative things about it before I saw it for the first time, so I wasn't expecting much, and maybe that helped uh, kind of buoy it up a little bit, because it's also very much a Halloween knockoff, whereas at least Anthropophagus is kind of its own beast, (laughs) because it's called the beast. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I really like both of them. I'm a big fan of Joe D'Amato's movies anyway. I really like his stuff. They're some of my favorite smutty horror movies and George Eastman is awesome yes yeah I mean yeah I definitely have a a love for George Eastman now too although I think I've only seen the two movies that he's been in uh the two Joe D'Amato movies that's all you Mm. need yeah probably Terry or Jason did you see these movies I have not okay nope okay Missing out. Well, in that case, then Terry, what what movie do you want to talk about? Um, because I watched so many. Seventy-two, um, seventy, seventy-one films she watched. Uh huh. <laughs> um, I did watch A Bay of Blood. Woo! My, as far as I know, my first Mario Bava movie. <laughs> Really? Uh, Probably. I think so. I could see that. Um, I mean, it was good, uh-huh. but I will say that I think I went to the bathroom at one point, and then I came back, and I had no idea what was happening. Why, <laughs> why don't happen. you... No, I did, we're we're I missing the why. important question here. Why don't you pause the movie when you I get up to go I normally do. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> but it was just... There were just so many characters, and... <laughs> yes. It was very confusing toward the end because they were someone was killing someone who allegedly killed someone. I don't know. Yeah, that is kind of a labyrinthine plot <laughs> of a whodunit there. Yeah, I would need to watch it again because I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't even want to rewind to try to figure it out. I was just allergy brain dead. Um,. But no, I mean, it, I mean, it was 
it, it looked nice and stuff. There were some good gore moments. I liked the uh, what whatever that blade is, machete blade, but thing for the weapon. Mm-hmm. With like the claw on the end. <laughs> see, in, in watching this movie, do you see like the uh, the influ- the American movies that were influenced by this movie? Like the slash, the slasher genre kind of owing a lot to this. Oh sure, film. I mean you know it's a weekend getaway. Mm-hmm. You know I saw that's one of the first things I was thinking. It's classic weekend getaway at like some camp by a lake, and then there's a slasher going about. I mean the background was a little different because the mother was m- murdered and. Uh, well, I guess that's not all that different, but it, you know, there yeah. were definitely there were definitely um, similarities that I noticed for sure. But in that very, it, it was so different. Just in that very Italian style, like it's very artistic, and it had lots of you know very flowing instrumental music as opposed to like eighties music <laughs> that you would see in a. <laughs> American slasher film, but yeah, it was good. Uh, like I said, I just got a little confused. And what the fuck is with the kids? <laughs> the kids at the end that just kill the parent. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious in a way, I guess. But I was just like, what? What? Because I think they, the kids are only ever even mentioned like one other time or something I don't even I must have spaced out too much during that movie because I was just way too confused by the end but I didn't hate it like I would watch it again just to actually pay attention more and figure out what the fuck was happening but lots of twists and turns for sure when it comes to Italian films if we haven't made it clear by now that uh, (laughs) you know don't stress too much if you uh (laughs) <laughs> if you get lost, because there's things that go on in Italian films that don't make a lick of sense, but they're fucking awesome anyway. They operate on dream logic rather than proper, sensible, yeah. awake logic. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I haven't had a, a ton of experience with Italian films, but I don't hate them. Like, I've watched several now, and I, I see, I see why they're intriguing. I do. I'll have to watch more before I can say I'm a fan. But I'm going to say something that's going to make you guys question what the hell you're doing talking to me. Especially since I just said that I'm a big fan of Joe D'Amato. Uh-huh. I don't particularly like Mario Bava's Giallo movies. Oh, uh, okay. I think Bay of, Bay of Blood is kind of a clunker. Hatchet for the Honeymoon kind of a clunker. Um, I haven't even seen that one. I love love Hatchet for the... Hatchet for the uh, Honeymoon is one of my favorites. I think probably more conceptually than maybe Execution. I can maybe see where you're coming from, but I just love the idea how, like, this guy's haunted by his own wife that he killed or whatever. Yeah. Kill, baby, kill. Eh. Um, I I love Space Vampires. I love Kaltiki the Immortal Monster. Hercules in the Haunted World is pretty damn good. Black I, think I think it's just his Giallo movies that I don't particularly care for. Black Sunday, right? 
I have not seen Black Sunday. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's like, to me, that's like one of the, the you know, top five. At, at, yeah, quint- yeah, there you go. Quintessential. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. I haven't films. seen it either. Are you shitting me? Know I haven't people. either. What I see that on streaming things well, all the sh- time, and I like the poster art, but I'm like, mm, maybe it's not later. Shocked that you haven't seen it, but the fact that Brian and I haven't. <laughs> yeah, that's it's weird. Not at least one of us would have. God damn it, Brian, we're failing. <coughs> I am well, shocked. Well, I have an excuse. I don't want to see it. <laughs> oh. Wow. Whoa. I mean, it's it's like it's early '60s. Feels more like. Feels more like '40s because it's it's very gothic and very stylistic and and you know to the layman that is also words for meaning slow. So, <laughs> but I it's I think it's I think it's a gorgeous film and you know the black and white's great and Barbara Steele is just captivating and oh the opening scene's one of my favorite opening scenes in cinema. So good. Black Sabbath? You've seen Black Sabbath, right? Yes, but again, that's not a Giallo movie. Okay, okay. Just that, that's a completely, you know, there, there's a, a ghost segment and there's a vampire segment. You know, that I yeah. really like Black Sabbath, but again, I mean, it must just be his Giallo movies that kind of strike a dull chord for me. Oh, that the segment with the dripping, with the, you know, the the lady dead in bed or whatever and the dripping water uh, it's creepy as hell I think it's awesome very awesome anyway Mario Bob is a genius anyway um, so yeah Bay of Blood I like it I what Brian says <laughs> it, it's not it's definitely not your typical Jalo though I think I think it's more I think it's more of a slasher before there were slashers. So cool. Okay. Um, John, what's the movie you want from the list you want to talk about? Um, let's see. How about Cannibal Apocalypse? Has anybody seen that? Yeah, now we're talking. I picked this up, uh, oh, God, like five or six years ago. Literally just because John Saxon was in it. Okay, I was thinking of the right one. Okay, I was... Yeah. And <laughs> sometimes I get lost on, the ta- on cannibal films. It's like you got Cannibal, you got Apocalypse, and then you got John Saxon. It's like, yeah, I'm going to pay $5 for this movie. I mean, I would have paid $5 for it anyway just because of John, but... it's It's the story of... A couple, well, a few uh, Vietnam vets. Pretty much, as John Saxon was the, I guess, the commander of a group. Um, they kind of do a little backstory. He, a couple of guys were kidnapped or something. Uh, he finds them, and they were just gnawing on a body. I mean, it was two guys just going to town. A little, little cannibal action. Um, <laughs> And then years later, what are you? Are you guys giggling about the whole thing going on? Oh, yeah. yeah, it just sounded filthy. Yeah. <laughs> it did. Going to town, uh, little nibbling. Going to town on a dude. Um, 
but years later, it's John Saxon at you know in his home life. He's married. Uh, he's you know got a good life going on. And uh, one of the guys that he had helped rescue from his uh, group has escaped the uh, in, in, essentially the insane asylum. And uh, he kind of goes nuts, uh, gets held up in a flea market or whatever, kills a few people, gnaws on a few people, pisses off a gang, and then uh, some uh, cannibal fun ensues. And and it's just John Saxon being John Saxon and hitting on the uh, neighbor's uh, probably underage niece. Yeah, that <laughs> is... That was creepy. That is almost as uncomfortable as that clearly underage girl in uh, uh, Wild Beasts. Oh, Wild Beasts. Oh. <laughs> it's just uh, like, what the... Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. Oh. you skipped over the best part at the beginning when in the Vietnam sequence. Yeah. <laughs> when the suicide bomber blows up that, or the they send that dog in as the suicide bomber, and oh, it yeah. takes out that soldier. And when the explosion goes off, that completely stiff dog mannequin just launches yeah. straight up into the air. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> wrong and a lot right with this movie. Some of the special effects are a little subpar, like that, but... But when they blow a hole clean through Giovanni Lombardo Radice at the end down in the sewer tunnel yeah. with a shotgun, they just blast that big chunk out of his stomach. That's fucking awesome. There's, yeah, I mean, when it comes down to the gore, the, the gore special effects are, for the most part, top-notch. I mean, they, there's the... Uh, well, there's the... Because I mentioned that the um, the one, I guess, head cannibal, if you will, or whatever that was that escaped the asylum, he uh, pisses off a local gang because he killed... I don't even, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he killed him. And uh, so, you know, later on, there's a fight between John Saxon, the cannibal, and then this gang, and the one, ga- like, I guess, gang leader gets his eyes gouged out. It's pretty nasty, but also extremely fucking fake. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Brian. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. It's pretty... It's gross, but, you know, just not quite up to par for what I would expect for a eye gouge scene, but still pretty fucking nasty. But yeah, uh, what else can I say about it? I mean, it's just got a good ending. Um, spoiler, uh, John Saxon and, I, what, his wife die because he's pretty much... He's pretty much full on cannibal at that point, or knows that he's gonna go full on cannibal because he's had the urges. Like he bites the the teenage neighbor, but uh, the neighbor girl and her little brother go full on cannibal at the end. Was it her? Their aunt's hand or whatever is found in the uh, the fridge. Mm-hmm. Like they're worried, are they gonna look for her? And then they like, yeah. Along with her head, and then the eyes glow, and that's the end. No, wait, no, that's Microwave Massacre. Never mind. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> Wrong movie! Wrong movie! <clears throat> Who directed this one? Uh, this one, uh, I want... <laughs> Good answer! Wow. It's like me tonight. I actually don't remember. I want to say it was Antonio Margariti. Yeah, it was. Not a... Oh, it was? Okay, good. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I didn't fail in my trivia. I'm yeah, it's Antonio. I'll check just to make sure, but... <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's surprisingly a, a really good cannibal movie. I mean, it's not your typical cannibal movie. No. It's almost, in a weird way, a zombie movie, but not. Well, they, treat, I mean, 
Because they treat the cannibal thing almost like an infection, right? Like yeah, because there's a scene like at the uh, the police station where one of the officers, who I believe had been attacked or whatever earlier, like is found gnawing on the hand of somebody. Or, yeah, literally the hand or stump of somebody. You know, one of the coworkers that's still alive and shit like that. So it is in a way a weird, like a slow zombie movie. It's not even that they turn them into zombies. It's just they give them the desire to eat flesh. Because they're still coherent and shit. Yeah. For the most part. Yes, it was Antonio Margariti. I haven't completely lost my touch, so I made up for totally bungling describing absurd because I spent my entire prep time writing Mike's intro. You fucking loser. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why are you even on this podcast? I was going to take notes, and then I didn't have time. Oh, tell me about it. I My notes are very weak for this episode, too, which is a bummer. I've been so looking forward to this one. <clears throat> Brian I ruin everything. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> do. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about Cannibal Apocalypse. I mean, it's it's gory. I, don't, I honestly don't know why it was put on the list, other than maybe the eye gouge scene and just and John Jackson blast through the stomach. Eh, that's normal. And John Saxon being really fucking creepy to the, the the neighbor girl. I'm sure it was strictly because it had the word cannibal in the title. I guarantee oh, yeah. you that I guarantee <laughs> you that every movie that had the word cannibal in the title just automatically wound up on that list. Or even have the word apocalypse in it. Like, see, the th- like, oh, and the thing is, I've got the list in front of me, and that could almost be said true. But I know there's cannibal movie. There's movies with cannibals in the title that. Uh, are not on the list too, so I don't know. And there's other movies that are on this list that are like, really? There's way worse well, movies than that. Like, well, if you dig into the list a little bit more, like only 39 of them were, I guess, whatever they would have prosecuted or like really, really banned or whatever. Oh, I'm not really sure what they meant by like, at least on some of the sites that I looked at, like what they meant by prosecuted. But it was definitely some of the more offensive ones, like. Cannibal Holocaust, prosecuted, but like dead and buried, not. It was just kind of no. not released uncut. I don't know, it was kind of weird. It is weird, too, because, I mean, there's like literally hundreds of movies that they made edits to. And yet, like, some of these on the... Why some of these just get the association of being a video nasty and others don't. I don't know, it's just kind of weird. Like, um... Like, I watched Mardi Gras Massacre for the first time for this show. And other that, than... That makes me very happy, because I did too, and that movie is fucking goofy. Yeah. And I don't see why it was cut. I mean, yeah, there's some a lot of female nudity and a lot of gutting of women, but, like, it's some of the shittiest looking effects... Well, it's not that they, I guess it was, they were super shitty. This lingered on it too they, long. They were they were a very weird combination of shitty and kind of good. Well, and that's where Which I think can... like I think the effects were good. They were just shot poorly. I think is what it boils down to. Because like you could have the coolest looking special effect, practical special effect in the world, but if you don't shoot it right, you're just gonna you're gonna see that it's super fake. And yes. case in point with this, like the first the first time he gets some girl. They show they show him rubbing the oil on, 
and they cut mm-hmm. to the close up of the of the fake torso rubbing the oil on the fake torso. I'm like, why would you use the fake torso for the rubbing of the oil shot and not just the for, s- what? for the same reason that in John Carpenter's The Thing during the blood test sequence, they cut that shot because you know when when you see the the blood react and jump out of the petri dish yeah the hand that's holding it that whole hand rig is fake that's what they're mm-hmm. using to shoot it out of there yeah. but there are several cuts before that where they show that same camera angle with that hand there holding the stuff as he's testing the blood that does not react because it's subliminally adjusting you to seeing that effect in the shot before it does the thing that makes it an effect well sure and then also too you don't know when it's going to come because right. you keep seeing that shot that makes it's sense, ju- and that it's, works. It's just in, in Mardi Gras Massacre, they were... Like I said, are, are we just like full-on talking about Mardi Gras Massacre now? Yeah, just trying to segue okay. instead of uh, instead of just randomly picking people to talk about a Okay, It's basically <laughs> Blood Feast. Yeah, totally. For those That's the first it's, thing it's I thought of, too. the same fucking plot. As soon as that it's, curtain opened, he's wearing that big headdress, I'm like, oh, this is Blood Feast. Yeah, except it takes place in you know during Mardi Gras, obviously. Um but one thing I liked about those effects is they clearly molded each individual actors. It wasn't just, oh, yeah. you know, they, they didn't have like two dozen stock torsos in storage. They did a mold of each individual actress because they matched up the tits perfectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I thought that too. And which made me think of like, were they just overly proud and that's why they just linger on the on the it fake torso but because that's to the detriment of the effect though because when when you see them and they're just just you know before he cuts into them when they're the whole torso they're actually pretty good molds and whoever made them did a good job of matching like the skin tone looks fairly realistic yeah and, and so it, it it looks i mean you still know it's not a real torso yeah but it looks like they did a better job than you would expect in that. And then when he cuts into it, they start moving all wrong. Like, they're obviously hollow. The skin is the wrong texture once it starts getting sawed into. And that's when it completely throws the whole thing. Not to mention, when he reaches into their chest cavities and pulls out their hearts, they're using, like, fucking musk oxen hearts or something. <laughs> because those hearts are way bigger than anything that should be coming out of a human being. Well, they were the most evil women that were there their hearts are just full of pure so, evil so they were hookers with the hearts of moose yeah. instead of hookers with hearts of gold yeah that, that's okay. a fact about evil hookers <laughs> they have moose hearts <laughs> I do <laughs> yeah this movie was crazy and like I remember you posting about suffering through the quality of the YouTube Jesus version Jesus Christ and I hear you. I could. I barely got through this movie. Man, I, I wonder, did I even finish this... it? I don't know if I even finished it, honestly. And not because of the movie, just because of the shitty quality of the one on YouTube. Oh, you should have, because it finishes. It sets it up for a sequel. Nice. There's a car chase. There's a car chase, and he jumps a car off a pier into the into the uh, bay, and the car sinks, and they dredge it up, and there's nobody there. So, like, he got away, and he could strike again at any moment. He could be sitting right next to you. Well, dude, it got to the point where the audio was almost like a 
like a full 30, 30 to 45 seconds <laughs> off, but so I couldn't bad. stand it anymore. And but but that to me really added to the experience because it's a crap movie anyway, right? <laughs> and that just made it so surreal because you'd you'd see people having a conversation and there'd just be music over it. Mm-hmm. And the and the, the music for the movie was a little strange to begin with, so it had this kind of otherworldly vibe to just watching these people talking to each other and hearing nothing but this weird electronic music. And then it would cut to the, another scene, a scene that had nothing to do with anything, and nobody was talking, but then the dialogue would come in. So you'd hear the conversation that happened in the previous scene over a over a shot of just some people watching strippers in a strip club. <laughs> and it was fucking weird. And at first I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can finish this. But after a while, I kind of started to enjoy it that way. Like <laughs> now, now I don't know if I would want to see this movie presented correctly. Synced? <laughs> yes. But the, the video is what really got me. Like it would, it would get this weird digital artifacting thing going on. Yeah. And the scene would freeze, and then you would see the ghost of what was supposed to be happening going on, sort of overlaid on top of the frozen scene. And then all of a sudden, it would catch up again. Yep. And and the images would combine back together. <laughs> uh, so much so, I went and I found another copy of it on YouTube to see if it was even better, and it didn't have on any audio whatsoever. <laughs> Why would you even upload that? I know, right? Like somebody's a real ass. Make your own movie. (laughs) That actually might might be kind of fun. So is Brian and I the only two who watch Mardi Gras Massacre? Yeah, I was gonna waste my time once he told me about it. No, you totally should because it's fun. (laughs) Well, I'll buy it. Just watch on YouTube. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, good old Mardi Gras massacre. Back, how much is that? Let's, <laughs> let's add to the uh, clips of uh, looking for shit on Amazon. Uh huh. I would be shocked if that. Well, you might be able to find it in like one of those Mill Creek box fifty movie box sets, you know. But I cannot imagine. Uh, this is one I don't think even oh, Arrow look. Video would touch. Oh look, it's uh, twenty six bucks. Yeah, it's not worth it. Just watch yeah, the weird print say. on YouTube. I'm going to spend 26 Click bucks on that. And buy. No, oh, no. <laughs> I'm not that... De- I'm trying to figure out who put it out. I'm not that desperate for it, but I, the cover's cool. I watched Driller Killer. Yeah, you did. About time. It was one of the... the I don't know. In the first documentary, it seemed like it was the original. It was like really focused on that one for a lot of it. They did bring that one up a lot, yeah. And I don't know why, because it sucked, so I don't... <laughs> I'm just... I'm just kidding, it was annoying. Why was it annoying, Jason? Talk about Brian that way. Hey, no, I just... Uh, Brian? I had a hard time. A lot of it was with the band. It just went on and on and on and on and on and on. Playing the Perry Mason theme over and over again. Whatever the hell song that so was. That beginning <laughs> little riff that they played, I swear, was the like the Perry Mason theme. Dun 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 dun. dun so dun, I, dun. I know you said it wasn't, but it it felt like somebody's first movie, 
you know just it was poorly shot and edited and i don't know i don't know man yeah what's his what is his name um Abel, Abel Ferrer. yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, gone on to do some uh, fantastic movies. If you like watching, uh, never mind. I don't. I don't even want to go into it. I'm trying to think of his name. Beating off to yeah. Oh, Black uh, Bad Lieutenant. Yeah, Harvey, that's Harvey Keitel. Uh, Harvey Keitel beating, basically making these chicks that he pulled over be nasty so he can beat off. On the side of the car, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, that's... That's actually... I mean, well, movie. he did go on to do Miss 45, and that's a fucking stellar movie. See, yeah, I'm, Abel's kind of hit and miss with me. The one thing, I like, I always feel like, whether I like his movies or not, he's a slow burn type of filmmaker. Like, Driller Killer is really freaking slow. And then, uh, I mean... And Miss Forty Five's got some slow moments, but did you ever see that? Uh, like, I think it was early '90s remake of Invasion Body of the Snatchers. Body Snatchers. Yeah. Uh, that I'm trying to remember if I've seen. It. I'm 99 percent sure that I have not. Um, well, I've seen it. It's just and I it's. Remember who's in it? It's like the slowest version ever of that of that movie. Yeah, but, I definitely have not seen that one. But Miss Forty Five, I'm with you. Is like, it's probably my favorite movie of his. I love that movie. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I I actually saw Bad Lieutenant first, which it is a really good movie, just very yeah disturbing when it comes down to it. I own it's, his movie, uh, uh, Four Forty Four, Last Day on Earth. I bought it when like Blockbuster was going out of business, and I still have yet to watch it. But yeah, Miss Forty Five and the uh, the main chick from Miss Forty Five kind of had a fucking rough life. Oh yeah, Zoe. Uh, yeah, like a heroin addiction. I mean, she's oh yeah. I'm trying to remember all the details, but she's been yeah. She died at thirty seven. Oh jeez. Yeah, it's kind of a shame because she did a re- really great job in Miss Forty Five. Yeah, and all of Abel's movies have like some pretty, you know, kind of dark themes going on in them. I guess you could say. Um, but it's it's interesting that like both Driller Killer and Miss Forty Five. I don't know if they both were on the... I can't remember if they both were on the Video Nasties list. But they both were brought up in the uh, documentaries, anyway, about Video Nasties. Yeah. I'm surprised Miss 45 wouldn't be. Yeah, I know, I right? It was With, on the list, but I mean... It's, I mean, just for the, the the fact that it's a revenge flick and and whatnot, you'd think it'd be on there. It's got the rape scene. Yeah. That, that, woman gets, that woman gets raped twice in the same night or something like that? Something. Like, it's been a while since I've watched. I watched it when I first got the Blu-ray a couple years ago, but it's, I haven't watched it since. But I remember loving the fuck out of it. Yeah. And uh, but the but Drill Killer and Miss Forty Five are like night and day in comparison to like quality of film, in my opinion. Um, Drill Killer is just pretty slow, and it gets kind of uh, gets kind of like weirdly surreal at the end when he's just taking the drill to people in the 
just randomly drilling people in the streets, which is kind of silly, and but also kind of reminds me a little bit of um, American Psycho. Yeah, just this like uh, blind, blind, blindly killing people left and right with no consequences, and like Can't I be the cat. <laughs> And I swear, like, one person that he was killing with the drill, it sounded like they, they dubbed in machine gun noises every time he'd, he'd start the drill. Very weird. Brian, have you seen Drill a Killer? You're being quiet. Yeah, I saw it once a long time ago. I thought it kind of sucked. Yeah. I never went back. I, I have Ms. 45. I really like that. Bad Lieutenant was an interesting experiment, but didn't really do much for me. Yeah. So I, I, I've i kind of gotten the impression that Abel Ferrara is one of those guys who thinks he's a much deeper artist than he really is. Well, and a lot of people feel that way, too. I mean, he's had some good... I mean, Miss 45 is great, but... And actually, I mean, I really like Bad Lieutenant, but really, you look at his... His... Uh, history of filmmaking and there's not a lot to make him stand out other than you know the driller killer and miss 45 giving him some notoriety i guess yeah. king of new york was supposed to be really good but i never never saw that i think that's got christopher walken oh hmm i'm pulling him i'm pulling up his imdb right now because i gotta know it's really kind of a when you look at his list. It's really kind of a letdown. I mean, there's some films that I obviously haven't seen, and some that I have, and I'm like, uh, why is this on here? He's done a lot more movies than I thought. But yeah, I think uh, Bad Lieutenant, Body Snatchers. Um, Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy. What? That's actually one of the one of the movies on his list. I need to see that. <laughs> um, of course you do. Miss Forty Five and Driller Killer. Those are the only four. Oh yeah, there I see it. Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy. Um, those are the only four movies of his that I've seen. He did a couple episodes of Miami Vice too. Oh well. <laughs> Clearly, he is. Watch Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy. just like the most boring chamber piece ever, and it's just like an hour and a half of people having tea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and nothing else really jumps out from this list. So, whatever. Okay. Cool. So, Drill a Killer. Not so much. Miss 45. Very awesome. Okay, I gotta ask the, uh, the Grindhouse veterans of the show here. Uh, John, Brian, have you guys seen the from 1981? It's on the list. And I think the f original full title was called um, Nightmare of a Deranged Mind. But it's also gone under the name Nightmare. But in like oh, the, yeah. the late 80s, it got a re-release, VHS re-release with a whole new, very fictitious front cover under the title Blood Splash. 
No, I, I did not see that one. I have seen it. I I own it, and it's it's been so long. <laughs> I mean, I probably bought it a couple years ago, watched it, and then haven't touched it since. The we one talk- by Romano Scavellini or whatever. I don't know. I don't know his name. It's like, I don't fucking know. I don't care. Well, I saw. I originally saw it as Blood Splash, and the movie... And this was before I really could really start appreciating true gross and gritty type of films, real exploitation type of films. But you know, we talk about we've talked about in the past about gross and gritty, grimy New York style films, and this movie falls into that. It's like super sleazy. There's like so many scenes where he goes to peep shows in this movie that it's. It's on freaking real, um, and it's just—I hated it the first time I saw it, and I've never really watched it all the way through since. But I also was not only kind of put off by the grim and grittiness of it, but I—anyway, uh, I—I um, <clears throat> uh, anyway, I, uh, I saw it under blood splash and. Also was very deceived and lied to because the box was really cool. It was like a super bloody box and Mm. like this woman being chopped up on the box. And then it had this big bloody splash um, dot point on the front of the cover that said special effects by, um, special makeup effects by Tom Savini. And I'm like, oh, sweet. These were not Tom Savini effects. Yeah, fact, I think it ends up he was just like a supervisor, if that. Yeah, and and like I there was some it was some shady shit. Yes, and uh, yeah, supervisor at best. Don't even know if that's one hundred percent true. He maybe it, looked at somebody's ideas and said, "Man, eh, whatever." <laughs> probably. He's like, "Give me, give me money," because I'm Tom Savini and I'm a dick. But I know he sued that 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 label. He sued that label who did the uh, the blood splash cover for putting his name on it. I don't know how that lawsuit ever turned out, but yeah, super fucking I lied to suing everybody though. No, oh, that's true. Fuck, we're probably gonna get sued. Well, this was also before he before he was as known as a well known dick. So <laughs> this may have been still when he was a decent guy and when he still actually did things other than show up conventions. Um, piss people. But yeah. Uh, I've I've always kind of thought about revisiting it, but like too chicken too, just because I had such a bad experience the first time I ever watched it, and I just was curious if you guys had seen it, and familiar with it at all, and your thoughts on it. It's been way too long since I've watched it. I think yeah. Code Red maybe put it out. <laughs> I don't know. I own which, a copy somewhere. Which means there was a window of about 15 minutes to buy a copy before Bill had a hissy fit and pulled him off the website. Yeah. Oh, God. He's fucking... That dude... <laughs> we could have an entire episode of that <laughs> guy from Red is the most frustrating individual in horror. Like, and, and then people are like, oh, Bill's not selling something right now, so let's go turn around and sell our copy for uh, 60 bucks. Yeah. Because people are dumb. That's what it really comes down to. God damn it. Fuck that guy. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I'll have to, have to check this one out. That sounds interesting. I thought you were going to say Night Warnings, which I did watch for this. Damn it. I didn't get a chance to. I, I meant to because I've never seen that either. And 
And it's always been one of those that, like, I know the movie based on sitting it on, seeing it on the shelf at the video store, and just never really thought it would be anything more than just some light, fluffy '80s horror that was pointless. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really don't know why it's called Night Warnings. <laughs> it's a weird title, and. As far as gore, I guess I'm not really sure how it wound up on the video nasties list either, because it's not particularly gruesome, mm-hmm. but there are it's it's just absolutely chock full of these weird sexual overtones. So uh, that's that could possibly be what did it, but unless it had an especially lurid video box cover, I don't know what would have brought it to the attention of the BBFC in the first place. See, and that's what I was wondering, because, again, it seemed like another one of those, just based on never seeing it before, just my assumption of it, that's like, why would this be on the list? But also remember, keep in mind, it always wasn't necessarily for gore and violence. I mean, hell, they were censoring movies that had, like, nunchucks and ninja stars in them. Or right, changing- well, like I said, there's... Go ahead. Or changing the name of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers to Hollywood Hookers. Just because it had Chainsaw in the title. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, the the themes of the movie are actually something I could understand landing it on the list because it's kind of squiggy. But the the title is completely innocuous and describes nothing about it. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, unless it had an especially lurid piece of cover art, what would have drawn... Mary Whitehouse's ire to that movie like you'd think you'd see a movie called Night Warnings on the shelf and just walk right by it and pick up you know Cannibal Holocaust or something but um, the idea behind the movie is that this this couple, a mom and dad are are going on a trip and leaving their son with his uh, aunt and you know their their brakes fail, somebody sabotaged the car it it has a really neat action sequence at the beginning where when the brakes go out, uh, actually, and I am, because Neil Marshall was so involved in those video nasties documentaries mm-hmm. and talking about how he saw all these movies as a kid, I 100% guarantee you that the scene of the, uh, at the beginning of the descent where they hit that logging truck and the dad's head gets skewered was taken directly from this because literally the exact same thing happens in this movie like camera angles and all it's the shot the exact same way from the back seat and all that yeah so i i guarantee you that that was an influence on him but anyway um so the kid winds up uh just going into the custody of his aunt she's his caretaker she raises him and throughout the first half of the movie like she's very protective of him he wants to play basketball on a scholarship but she won't let him he does she doesn't want him to go to college she just wants him to get a job and stay there in town she's very protective of him doesn't like him going out with girls or even going out with his friends she's just you know like the helicopter mom from hell and uh some of their interactions like she she looks at him in kind of a weird way. She sort of paws at him kind of inappropriately sometimes. Like, at one point, she goes to wake him up for school by crawling into his bed and, like, like rubbing the back of his head and, like, touching his, you know, he's not wearing a shirt. It's just, you know, wearing boxers in bed, like, rubbing his bare skin and purring and meowing like a cat. It's fucking creepy. She's clearly batshit insane. Well, come to find out, that his dad had cheated on his wife with this woman. So this kid is actually her son. 
but the, you know somehow there was a whole big thing and they covered it up and so she just wants to keep him but because he also looks a lot like his dad she has this fucked up unrequited like sexual desire for him and the whole thing is very very weird and incestuous and it's a lot of fun the the lady who plays the crazy aunt slash mom is uh is a great she's like i mean she's not quite betty davis level but she's getting there for like just cinematic crazy woman stuff so yeah definitely check it out yeah yeah, again, I was hoping to get a chance to watch it before the show, but didn't, so... Yeah, I will definitely have to check it out. Definitely sounds pretty cool. So, yeah, not, not your typical horror movie, per se, but uh, pretty... Oh, and there's <laughs> there's a extremely homophobic cop who's working on this murder case because his aunt... Uh, is so desperate for male attention that she is hitting all up on a plumber or uh, an electrician or some some home maintenance guy who comes to their house. And the reason her story that he tried to rape her doesn't wash is because he was gay. And this is a very small town, so they're you know kind of a tight knit community. Not a lot of gay people. They're you know the people who are gay and everyone in the town knows about it. It's kind of the dirty little secret. And the other gay guy in town is the gym coach who is this kid's basketball coach. So this cop is just, oh my God, this the, the disgusting homophobic epithets that come out of this guy's mouth through the entire last half of the movie. I mean, that, that's worth the price of admission alone because you're just watching it and going, there's like this could not be made now. It's such a time capsule of when it was okay to just <laughs> say this stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Terry, was there any other movies you watched for this episode? Um, I watched the documentaries. <laughs> that was two movies. <laughs> well, but, I, no. I mean, I've seen, like, The Burning before. That was on there. Yeah. And we've all seen Cannibal Holocaust, but... No. I mean, that's, like, big... You haven't? No. I avoided both of the cannibal movies on this list. Why? They're good. They're, They're so good. good. But They're I just good. everybody has always or everybody's already talked about those movies to death, and That's I'm true, not shocked yeah. Terry didn't watch them. But uh, animal mutilation, uh, animal deaths. Oh wait, I'm that's just, why I'm more into uh, like psychological terror than I am straight up gore. Not that I don't appreciate good gore every once in a while but when it's, it's like, all like, that the movie is about I get a little I like to watch pretty white people die <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the gore in those movies is pretty exceptional too especially yeah, Cannibal Holocaust yeah no. well, I also don't like to want to feel like I have to throw up while I'm watching movies either So, You're, but you don't because it's a movie and it's fake oh okay I actually did my senior thesis in college on Cannibal Holocaust, and I showed some clips in class. The professor of course was you did. not impressed. <laughs> That's outstanding. Also, it's amazing more, you graduated. It is. One more fun story about that. Uh, many moons ago, uh, when Grindhouse Releasing was uh, doing their big roadshow revivals of some of these movies, they did a tour of Cannibal Holocaust. Rotten Cotton did a 
t-shirt with tour dates on it and i never bought one and i'm still oh. kicking myself for that oh, wow. but anyway we, we went up to minneapolis and saw it at the uptown theater which is one of my favorite movie theaters i've ever been in i love that place but anyway it was it was kind of cool it was a midnight showing and so we go in and sit down and the place is by no means packed but there's a pretty decent crowd there i'd say 50 or 60 people showed up to you know midnight to watch cannibal holocaust and you'd think the Minneapolis midnight movie crowd would have some idea of what they were getting into. I mean, we were probably the most normal looking people there because, you know, just band t-shirts and jeans or whatever, but there was a lot, you know, like leather and spikes and, and brightly colored mohawks and like real punk rock and metal looking bunch of people. So they didn't know what they were, they were just. Well, through about the first 15 to 15 or so minutes of the movie, a lot of people were throwing riffs and laughing and joking and that kind of stuff with the bad dubbing and that kind of thing. And then from the moment that their jungle guide guts that little Kawada Mundi on the beach there before they go all the way into the jungle, Mm -hmm. you could hear a fucking pin drop (laughs) the entire rest of the movie. And when the lights came up and we were walking out... I, I swear, me and the people I went with must have been the only people that had ever seen it before. Because as we were walking out, the lights come up, and you could just see the looks on these people's faces just drawn and haggard, like they just spent the last 80 minutes getting beat with a pillowcase full of rocks. Wow, that's awesome. Posers. So much fun. <laughs> that is awesome. I would love to I've see I've that. Heard stories, I've heard stories about your, your viewing of that in the theater, I think. Yeah, I Man. like to tell that story. So, well, yeah, <laughs> but that just shows too. you people, uh, posers, like we're hardcore, we're awesome. Oh my god, they just killed an animal. I'm gonna cry now. So says says the guy who probably cries every time an animal is killed. Yeah, who who just last episode went off on how mad you get when they kill off the dog or the cat in the movie. And it's a special effect, but if if they <laughs> hack a re- if they hack a real river turtle to pieces on camera, fuck it, it's just a reptile, right? It's a, it's a product <laughs> of the time. That's <laughs> reptiles have no feelings. We all know this. Right. Now, is, that how it works? is this as far as the cannibal subgenre goes? Is this like hands down? Our favorites? I mean, where does everybody stand? Where's, what would be your favorite cannibal Probably movie? Probably the better of all of them. I don't... Yeah, Holocaust and Ferox probably just about tie for yeah, I mean, my favorite position. Yeah, they're the, they're I'm with they're you. I think, I think Ferox, for me, gets a little bit more rep- repeat viewing. But I also... I also grew up on that ty- grew up on that one as opposed to not discovering Cannibal Holocaust till way later. Well, um, Ferox was available under the Make Them Die Slowly title on VHS forever. Like yeah. I saw that back which, in high school when my buddies and I were doing movie nights, which funny story about that one too for a mi- in a minute, but Cannibal Holocaust for the longest time was like if you could find a, you know, third generation bootleg of it, you were doing pretty good. Like it was exactly. nowhere to be had. Because exactly. I remember right around the time I was doing that senior paper in college, Grindhouse had announced that they were finally putting it out on DVD, and that that f- fancy two disc set that the you know the pictures on the discs made them look like film cans and yeah, and that was I mean that was a big deal because it was like oh my god we 
this has never been available on home video in the states before. I don't know that it ever even got a VHS release over here. Yeah, I'll think so, so. I mean, that 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 was like the holy grail of gore movies for the longest time, and then you, and it was kind of nice seeing it finally for the first time and going, oh, this actually lives up, yeah, to the reputation. That's a That's fucking, a fucking brutal movie. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Holocaust is also definitely the better made of the two in terms of quality of, of, of any kind of the writing of the acting of you know the yeah. effects of all of it. Ferox is a little more entertaining because. Giovanni, Giov- God, I can't say this guy's name tonight. Giovanni Lombardo Radice is such an entertaining bad guy, <laughs> as, as, yeah. as naughty Mike, as they call him. <laughs> I, I rewatched that one again, actually, for the show too, because I hadn't seen it in a while, and I I was trying to listen to the commentary track, but it's him and Lindsay, and my God, you can't understand a word Lindsay says. Oh no, and and. Radice hates that movie so much. Like oh. he says, he's embarrassed that it's even still available to be seen. Like he just, I mean, he was young. He needed a starring role to kind of boost his career up. But yeah, and he's in a lot of horror movies. And I don't yeah. know that he might. I don't know that he minds horror in general. But he's a big like animal rights guy and a pacifist. And he really hated all them killing all those animals on film. Yeah. So he has a big problem with that movie. So his part of the commentary, since he had so many English-speaking roles, you can understand him, but it's just him saying how much he hates the movie the whole time, so it's not that much fun. So I was yeah. kicking back and forth between the commentary and just the standard audio track. I have a I have a hard time sitting through a lot of Italian filmmakers' commentary tracks because a lot of time, if if you can if if you can understand what they're saying. They're they're working so hard to speak English that they're just talking so slow, and yeah. and it's such broken English that it's that it's just it's it's very um, very boring to listen to for the most yeah, part. Well, so. and and their their um their views on the you know a lot of times they were just you know mercenary filmmakers doing horror because that's what made money yeah. so they didn't particularly care about what they were doing so a lot of times their recollections aren't very good um, yeah, in the case sure. of cannibal ferox the commentary cuz they're not in the same room so like they each recorded a commentary and then somebody like edited the pieces together so it's kind of funny in some scenes it'll be lenzi talking about something and then radice will come on and totally contradict him like he'll like during the animal killing sequences, he was saying, you know, the the standard thing that they all say about those those scenes in the cannibal movies that the tribes ate them afterwards, that these animals were going to be killed anyway. They yeah. probably weren't going to be slowly tortured to death for shits and giggles, <laughs> but they were going to be killed anyway. And that afterward, the tribe ate them, so it didn't go to waste. And then it cuts to Radice saying. You know, they were the tribes were disgusted by this that they didn't actually like eating the meat of the particular animals that they were killing. So, uh, you know, they didn't eat them. It was just brutality for the movie. And you wonder, is Lindsay making excuses for what he did, or is Radice making this shit up to villainize Lindsay for killing these animals on camera? Interesting. So it's it's hard to say what you know. So the commentary doesn't actually add much to that movie. I think it would have been better had they had like some film historians who could give some reliable <laughs> information on it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the first time we saw that, uh, Cannibal Ferox, was another high school movie night. And 
because they mention the characters' names so infrequently, uh-huh. we had a really hard time keeping people differentiated in our minds while we were watching the movie. But in the very first scene in New York, that guy who gets killed by the drug dealers, they call him Shitface. So that provided the springboard of how he referred to the characters in the movie. So he was Shitface. Then the uh, the the three people who are going into the jungle to do the the exploration are a woman and her sister and then one of her friends who I guess is just along for the ride. So her brother the, is son of Shitface. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they meet uh, Mike and his buddy later in the jungle and he and son of shitface looked a lot alike so he became twin of son of shitface and the villain Radice's character who gets his dick chopped off at the end of the movie became friend of twin of son of shitface <laughs> the, the woman the woman who's doing the, uh, the, the project on the cannibals the, you know, her th- big thesis paper her friend ends up fucking Mike, so she became whore of friend of twin of son of shitface. <laughs> and then Gloria, the main character, was just twat because that's what Mike called her the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I need to watch movies with you more often, man. Dude, you have no idea. It's a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. You know another one on the list that doesn't make any sense to me is Toby Hooper's Funhouse. <laughs> Love that movie. Great movie. Don't get me wrong. But why is it on there? But like, yeah, I mean, just, it's why? just a generic '80s horror movie. I mean, when it comes down to when it. When it comes down to it, yeah. I mean, there's no the, there's no really bloody kills or anything, and like it came from an era where there was like. 30, 30 or 40 slasher films a year that came out. So why is that one singled out? I always wondered. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly can't even think of a reason why they would single that one out. Yeah. Terry, have you seen Funhouse? Nope. <sighs> it's it's a fun slasher. It's, it's really good. Um, you know, Toby Hooper directed it. It all takes place inside of a... Um, like a, a fun house, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but the th- it all takes place inside of a cracker factory, but but not to uh, not to belittle the film or not. But I, I've been many a carnivals, and I've never seen a fun house that huge on the inside. Like fun houses are usually like the interior of some trailer. This thing is like a twelve-story like mansion they're running around in. Dude, like I I have an awful memory of a weird fun house place. It was in Minnesota, I believe. Paul Bunyan's theme park or something like that. But I was young and I was fucking terrified because I there was like a trick door somewhere and I got separated from my family and I thought I was going to die. Oh, man. Like, I was just, I cried forever, I'm pretty sure. But it was awesome. So, there's that. <laughs> but at like least all... you didn't get attacked by a hybrid cow monster. Nope. Nope, that, that did not happen. <laughs> mm. 
Well, what else, man? What other video nasties? Well, not to. Did anyone else watch a lot of other stuff for this one? Um, no. I mean, there's a lot of them I've seen before. Yeah, right, yeah. Didn't rewatch necessarily necessarily a lot of them. Well, not to monopolize things, but jumping from the uh, Italian directors who are sort of mercenary filmmakers to people who are actually artists who cared about their craft. Does anyone have the uh, Severin Blu-ray of Axe? Or have you seen this yeah. movie before? That was one I was I hoping have. to watch for this episode, but I, I didn't get around to it. Because I had never Blu-ray seen it I have not watched the other two features on it, which are... Another of the filmmakers' movies called Kidnapped Coed, and then and then some weird fan edit that melds the two movies together into one. And I'm very curious as to how that works out. But like I That's, said, I haven't, I, watched I, it. I haven't paid attention to my Blu-ray copy. That's seriously on there. That's weird. Yeah. So. Um, That's awesome. So I'm very curious to see the uh, the Kidnapped Coed film and then and then this other strange edit but axe is actually a very good movie and again i guess being called axe and it does have kind of a you know the 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 cover art is just this big ass axe sunk into a piece of wood with some sort of cloudy red skulls in the background so i could see how that could maybe attract the attention of the bbfc but uh, the idea behind it is these three gangster dudes are um, ha- have just killed a guy there there's steel there's Lomax and Billy and Billy is actually played by Frederick Friedel the writer and director of the movie and uh, so they've you know a, a some kind of deal has gone south somebody betrayed them uh, steel beats him to death with a doll it's nuts <laughs> and so they go on the run from the law where they wind up trying to hide out at is this farmhouse which is occupied by a young girl named Leslie and her deaf, mute, wheelchair-bound, basically all but completely vegetative state grandfather. And so, easy target, right? She's, you know, essentially living there alone. Grandpa can't get out of the chair. She has to sponge bathe him. She feeds him basically raw eggs just so he has enough protein to live because he can't really even chew his food. And uh, so they they take up residence there after torturing this poor woman in a convenience store on the way. And, uh, And so as they're starting to get a little stir crazy, she's very pretty. So they, you know, gangster dudes, they're, they're going to do what they want to do. So Lomax is the first one to make a move, and she saws through his fucking neck vertebrae with a straight razor and chops him up and shoves him in a trunk. Because, keep in mind, this is a girl living on a farm who has to fend completely for herself. They raise chickens, so she's completely used to chopping up uh, you know, living animals, butchering them, turning them into food. Just, you know, death doesn't phase her. And there are several sequences throughout the movie where the, I don't think it's entirely just the stress of the situation getting her. It's it's probably 
a combination of that making it worse, but that she's obviously lonely. She's not particularly well socialized because she has no one to speak to. So she's a little nuts to begin with and hallucinates some, you know, like a snake in her bathtub and other things. And uh, so Billy, the, the youngest gangster played by the director, he is kind of developing a crush on her. Like, he's really not happy about the situation he's in. He doesn't want to be an accessory to murder. Steel and Lomax creep him out because they're, like, hardcore badasses. And you can tell he's just not cut out for the life of crime. So he's kind of, you know, nice to her, and and so she kind of leaves him alone. And then later on, Steele, played by a character actor named Jack Cannon, who does a fantastic job in this movie. Like, he, he's easily the best actor in the movie. I mean, just, just a great job as the villain. He makes a move on her and uh, tries to rape her in front of her grandfather, and she grabs the... She, she, she grabs the titular axe, which is actually a hand hatchet, not an axe, and hacks him to death, and some fucking how shoves him up the chimney. <laughs> so, in the very end of the movie, she's feeding her grandfather what looks to be tomato soup, and makes a bowl for Billy, says, I made you some soup, and he's eating it, and he finds Steele's ring, his signet ring, in the soup. And comes to realize he's just eating warmed up blood with some seasonings in it, and then steel flops uh. out. Steel flops out of the uh. chimney, and freaks out just as the cops show up because they've tracked the killers to this house, and he you know flees the house to evade this crazy woman, only to run into the arms and waiting guns of the police. Um, there's. Throughout the movie, the grandpa is just watching TV all the time. Like, that's how she kind of, you know, gives him something to do. She puts the TV on in front of him. Because they couldn't afford to have any uh, any actual licensed TV programs, what Frederick Friedel did was got a big group, like a dozen of his acting friends, like people who did community theater, just people he knew who were actors together, and they just made up and ad-libbed and performed a bunch of phony soundtracks for non-existent TV shows. So you just hear all these people in the background, and that just sounds like so much fun. And as I was talking about before, mercenary filmmakers versus actual artists, I listened to the commentary track on this one as well. And you know, it was a lot of their first or second movie, a lot of the people who were involved in it, but they really cared, and they come off as very intelligent people who are genuinely trying to make a good movie, and despite the fact that it's obviously extremely low budget, it was shot over the course of eight days and released in 1974, they they cared about what they were doing, and everyone put their best effort in, and I think it came out fantastic. It's, it's a really cool little kind of character study of this girl's lapse into insanity. Like, she was already knocking on the door of the asylum to begin with, and then when these guys show up at her house and just completely turn her life upside down, that just pushes her over the edge. Uh, the performances are all really good. There's a really good uh, kind of haunting uh, score to the movie that really kind of enhances the atmosphere. Uh, this It's definitely a flick worth checking out. I really liked it a lot. Sweet. And like I said, I can, I can see how the cover would have caught the attention of the Video Nasties crew. 
and that some of the weird themes and it's not particularly gory there are only a couple of moments with a lot of bloodshed and it's that super uh unrealistic like bright red tempera paint blood <laughs> but but because you know the themes of a little bit of cannibalism you know some attempted rape i you know i can see where they pegged this one as something they should go after but uh, by today's standards, it's it's pretty tame on the on the violence level, but very solid little thriller. Uh, I know Mike hates that term, but I guess I don't know if I would really consider this a horror. <laughs> consider this a horror movie or not, but an interesting study of insanity, shall we say? So yeah, definitely check out Axe. It's available on Blu-ray through Severin Films. Really good stuff. Axe. Yarp. Sweet. Cool. Indubitably. Awesome. Yarp. <laughs> All right. You already said Yarp. Deal with it. <laughs> you don't own me. <laughs> You're not my real dad. Thank God. <laughs> hey, you ask my kids. I'm a fucking cool dad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so still not my dad. Oh my so gosh! So we, we've kind of just uh, <laughs> kind of like chipped at the iceberg here of the video nasties. You know, like I said, the original is 70, 72 titles long, but there was a lot more films that uh, that were censored by the by uh, uh, by the people over there in the UK and uh, we could probably do several shows on this topic to be honest with you but unless there's any other titles that uh, you guys want to get to now um, I say we take a quick break and come back and do shout outs uh, uh, or our segments anybody have any other films you want to talk about real quick or I blew my load <laughs> I shot my wad. <laughs> All right then. So, we'll be right back after this quick break. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So, add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight, and we hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Hey, horror fans. This is Mike, one of your troop leaders over at the Horror Scouts podcast. I, with my co-hosts Brian and Nick, want to invite you to check out our show. We post new episodes twice a month that include movie reviews and general discussions about horror. So whether we're handing out merit badges for things like writing, directing, and gore, or just talking around the campfire, we'd love for you to join us. Head over to HorrorScouts.com for more info, and subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Horror Scouts Podcast. You can also find us, along with all the other awesome shows on the Phantom Podcast Network at DownrightCreepy.com. And if you prefer social interaction over spending time with the bodies hidden in your shed, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter with at horror underscore scouts. So grab your headphones and wrap a bloody bandana around your neck. It's time to sign up and be a horror scout. 
Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Hey everybody, this is Wayne. This is Zip. Lori. Brian. Doug. And we're the Necronomicast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) Necronomicast. Uh, We also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the Necronomicast. <laughs> Do we say horror movies? <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com. Also visit us on Facebook. And on iTunes and all that. Necronomicast. Uh, we'll scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. And we're back, and it's segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. We're going to do something a little different this time. Jason's not going to do shout-outs, but we're going to let Terry do it. So it's time for shout-outs. It's time for shout outs! Shout outs! Shout outs! Shout outs! Shout outs! Oh, hey, everybody. Uh, we asked on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, remember the video nasties list from the early 80s in the UK? What are your favorite films from this list of band titles? Let's see on Facebook. We have Jacob McLaughlin says The Evil Dead. Yes. Is the ultimate cult movie in one of my top ten greatest horror films. Evil Dead 2 is also on that list. And better. Oh, wait. I said that. Um, next, we have Tim Lennerer. He gave us a little uh, award rundown here. It's, it's fun. Gold Medal, The Evil Dead. Silver. Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. That's a fucking great movie. Great movie, yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> Bronze Zombie. Miss Congeniality. Night of the Howling Beast. <laughs> which I got to see at Monsterama last year. And which was comically inoffensive. But there's a werewolf on Yeti fight. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. one of uh, Paul Nashie's Valdemar Daninsky movies. It's a lot of fun. Also, most people just bronze their baby shoes. Never seen anyone bronze a zombie before. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, he says, I think that 
the, that last one was misfiled by the Brits. It's a video, Nashy. Uh, <laughs> well done, Tim. Well done. Wow. Okay. I get it. <laughs> Uh, next up we have Stanley Fulci maybe he's related that'd be awesome Um, so many uh, the cannibal films the Fulci films Driller Killer House on the Edge of the Park Island of Death Faces of Death and The Burning for starters where's Necromantic I didn't see it on the list hmm maybe we linked a not complete list because I'm pretty sure that's on there I don't think Necromantic... I think that came after the Video Nasty list, so... Hmm. The initial I thought I saw it on one of the documentaries, but... Uh, Anyway. Yeah, but not part of the 72, I don't think. Oh, okay. And and, and then you brought up a title uh, that I want to ask about. Uh, What do you guys think of Island of Death? I kind of hate that movie. Oh, my God, I fucking love that movie. Oh, all right. I have I, I have not upgraded to the Arrow Blu-ray yet, but I probably should because that one is such a fun catalog of perversion. It's it's perversion, all right, dude. There's a <laughs> there's goat fucking. I know there's goat fucking. No, no, I'm not even going to talk about the goat fucking. I was oh. going to talk about the guy who is going to fuck the old lady until she decided he wants to piss on her and that makes her mad so he fucking decapitates her with a bulldozer (laughs) (laughs) that movie kicks ass alright okay moving on alright next we have Daniel Muftier hopefully I said that right Um, oh my goodness is this all in French? <laughs> uh, the mm, a la porte. <laughs> oh, this is so uh, awesome right now. <laughs> I think it's actually in French. Um, it says a the doors. Um, see, I I'm sorry, I give up. <laughs> Turds. That's Merdays. Merdays is is poop. I'm pretty sure. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> Google Translator, go. Sorry, foreign uh, listeners. We're not sorry. going to get you. Um, Gerald Martin, love flesh for Frankenstein. Oh yeah, and that's a fun. Watching that edited. Build as Andy Warhol's Frankenstein back on USA's Night Flight. Ooh. Uh, up next, we have Nightmare Junkhead. There are a fellow podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network. Check Woo! it out, guys. Um, they say the burning, if only for the short shorts everyone is wearing. That is truly nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needed to see that much of Jason Alexander's butt. <laughs> That's very true. Then we have Ron Lemming. Uh, there are so many fine films on that list, as well as some that are completely absurd. But if I had to pick one, it would be Zombie. It was the first of the Italian modern zombie films. Like Romero's Night of the Living Dead changed zombie films forever, making it a keystone film. Zombie added a whole new kind of zombie to the mix. Plus, the splinter in the eyeball scene is one of the greatest classic scenes ever. Hell yeah. 
Then we have Matthew Will- Williams, Evil Dead, as always. You are correct. Um, <laughs> then last on Facebook, we have Greg Russell. There are some obvious choices on here. I saw several of these in the Twilight Years of the Drive-In. My favorite from the list because of Asian timing, Dead and Buried. I saw this with my grandma. You have a cool grandma. Yeah, you do. Hell yeah. (laughs) And then over on Twitter, we had just a couple replies. We had Sean Hutchins at FatPunk68 says, Some classics, but God, there are some stinkers in there. (laughs) Well, which ones are the stinkers? (laughs) Come on, Sean. And then we had Don Anelli at Don underscore Anelli. Zombie is my all-time favorite horror film, so that one by default. As well, Tenebrae, Beyond, Bloody Moon, and Burning are all awesome. Sweet. And then, don't forget that you can always call in and leave messages for us at... 41595AOTKP. And luckily this time we had someone call in and we can listen to that. Hello, attackers. This is Jack Christensen from Waterloo. And my favorite video, Nasty, is a movie called Possession by a Polish director named Andrzej Zulowski. I don't know if you guys would uh, cover this one in the episode or not. It's kind of not as talked about as much as Cannibal Holocaust or even Tenebrae or those, but. Uh, Zulowski, he's usually more of an art film director. I think this is his only movie that's kind of a horror movie, and, uh, he made it about, it's about the pain of his divorce, and, uh, stars Dustin's uncle Sam Neill and Isabella Gianni, who was in, uh, Werner Herzog's Nosferatu, and she gives maybe my favorite performance I've ever seen in any movie. It's just so raw and 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 bare. It's uh, I mean, it had to be really hard for her to come in every day and and go to that place and and do that. But it's kind of a bizarre story about uh, Sam Neill discovers that his wife is sneaking away during the day and leaving their child on his own, and he discovers that she's up to some disturbing activities, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I think everybody should check out Possession by Andre Zulowski. Bye-bye. All right. Awesome. Thanks for Jack. You're awesome. Just, yeah, everyone call in next time or leave us messages when we post our shout-outs. Cool. Thank you for the shout-outs. It wasn't until blood started flowing from beneath the door of the viewing room at the BBFC that Susan Thomas began to worry. Even when the cries of pain began, she didn't bat an eye. She had been Graham Bright's secretary for several years and had grown accustomed to cleaning up after his visits with Mary Whitehall and other members of the National Viewers and Listeners Association. She had oiled manacles and mopped up fluids and helped peel soiled vinyl gimp suits off many a pasty, dimpled buttock. But surely that much blood was more than a rough sex game would spill, even if there were more of them than usual at tonight's gathering. Susan tentatively approached the door. She hesitated to knock, remembering the severe punishment meted out to her the last time she interrupted one of their viewing parties. Then a gargling cry of horror, choked with blood and pain, sent a shiver crawling up her spine, and she flung the door wide. 
The sight that greeted her blasted her sanity out the back of her skull as surely as any shotgun slug. Streamers of intestines festooned the room like a birthday party from hell. Organs stuck to the walls and ceiling where they'd been hurled with tremendous force. The floor was awash in blood, ankle deep. Chief Constable James Anderton of the Greater Manchester Police had been forcibly inserted into the director of public persecutions, wrecked him all the way to the waist. A scream tried to escape, but died in her throat, as a huge black snake uncoiled from around Mary Whitehouse's crushed skull and moved toward her. No, not a snake. It was, even considering the charnel vision before her, she could hardly believe her eyes. It was 35-millimeter film. She stared, frozen in place, as the film curled into a squid-like form surrounding the protective shell of its canister and skittered toward her on celluloid tentacles. Just as the film thing reached her and slashed her throat with one coiling appendage, she saw the label on the can, written in characters older than man, but somehow as familiar to her as her own handwriting, were the words, Insane's Picks. <laughs> Thank you for that lovely introduction. And for this episode of Insane's Picks, I have two picked a video nasty. I wanted to make sure I picked one that we would definitely not talk about on the show, and I feel like it was a pretty safe bet. I chose 1980s Toxic Zombies, also known as Blood Eaters, also known as Forest of Fear. Now, Toxic Zombies... Um, it's it's okay. Here, let me just sum it up for you. So it's a bunch of bunch of hippies growing a huge like marijuana crop out in the middle of nowhere. The government's hunting them down, and um, and once the drug crop is sprayed with this experimental chemical called Dromex, the group of of pot smoking hippies are poisoned by the chemical and are turned into cannibals this movie is directed by charles mccrane mccran uh, who also edited it he wrote it he acted in it he produced it and i think he was on set fluffer this movie also has uh i was shocked to see john amplis in it what what yes john amplis from martin and day of the dead Love John Amplis, so seeing him pop up in this movie was awesome. And he plays a small part in it uh, by a character by the name of Phillips. He's in like an early scene, uh, scene early on in the movie, and then doesn't show up again till like the third act. Um, <clears throat> don't know why this one's on the video nasty. It's got a little bit of gore in it, so you know maybe it has to do with that. There's like an arm to, or a hand that gets chopped off. A guy, a zombie gets stabbed in the eye. Um, so, I had seen this movie a long time ago, back in my early days of horror movie watching, when I was really getting a handle on things, and truly before I appreciated the art of really really bad uh, bad cinema. And I hated this movie when I first time I saw it. I would, uh, And I remember watching it back in the day on Commander USA's Groovy Movies on the USA Network. So I decided, for nostalgia purposes, when I rewatched this movie for this particular episode, I would watch the Commander USA's Groovy Movies episode that showed Toxic Zombies. And it is 
on YouTube entirety with commercials in all. So that was a blast. Uh, it made Toxic Zombies uh, definitely worth the watch, getting to watch it with Commander USA and his sidekick Lefty, which is basically his left hand with cigarette ashes for eyeballs and a mouth. Um, getting to see all the awesome classic 80s TV commercials. Um, like, uh, that was back in the day when 900 numbers were a thing. And there were some sweet-ass 900 numbers. Did you know DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince had a 900 number? And yeah, so did... I, I did, and I told my parents one time, and they just didn't understand. Nah. <laughs> and Albie Shore was another one that had a 900 number. And so if you call one 900 909 S-U-R-E, you could talk to Albie Shore for like uh, nine ninety five a minute. So, anyway, um, watching it, watching it in this version was definitely definitely made the movie a lot of fun. It's not it's not a terrible movie. It's just it's there's nothing great. It's it's passable. There's some there's some fun bad movie moments in it. But for the most part, it, it drags on quite a bit and, and doesn't really give you much payoff in the end. A lot of potential, but just not a lot of great execution. Um, <clears throat> the question is, is, are these the living dead? Uh, not really. Kinda, it kind of reminds me a lot more of, like, I drink your blood or something along those lines. Where these, these guys are now just kind of ravenous. They're using, like, machetes to, to uh, chop off hands or... Or um, using weapons to break out windows, stuff like that. And they can obviously feel pain when they get stabbed in the eye or when they get shot. And you can actually kill them just by, by shooting them. Uh, and they're, they carry on torches and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> so it's, again, it's, it's not a great zombie movie. I wouldn't say it's the very bottom of the barrel of zombie films. Then again, I wouldn't really even call it a zombie film. But for the pure fun nostalgia of things, I would recommend if you're going to watch Toxic Zombies, watch it. Watch the Commander USA's Groovy Movies episode of Toxic Zombies, um, which also may lead into a future episode of my spinoff podcast, Midnight Snacks, because um, I love myself some Commander USA. So, but that's it for this. This uh, episode of Insane's Picks, uh, check it out. 1980s Toxic Zombies, aka Blood Eaters, aka Forest of Fear. You guys ever seen Toxic Zombies? No, man, you stumped me this time. Woohoo! Wow! Nice. <clears throat> it's definitely got a lot of Night of Living Dead tropes in it, and, you know, basically everything that came before it. It's. Not very. It doesn't really any offer anything new and original, but you know, hey, it's you know, drug. It's crazed cannibalistic hippies in the woods killing and eating people. So hey, so that wraps up this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. I hope we've liberated everybody out there and to down with censorship and you know, let's uh, let's. Not ban these movies, but embrace them and love them for the art that they are. Yes, go out and watch some filth. Yes, <laughs> watch some filth. So, thanks again for listening. Don't forget you can donate to our Patreon and uh, get some bonus episodes for that. 
So until next time, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you and goodbye. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.